Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. This podcast will be a bit of a departure from tradition as it will be a Q&A session with today's topic being how to be a spiritual mason. Now, before we answer how to be a spiritual mason, we first of all need to elucidate the fact that Freemasonry has some very carefully concealed signposts alluding to spiritual axioms, hidden using steganography. The word steganography derives from the Greek steganos, meaning concealed or hidden, and graphia, meaning writing. Now, I'm sure that most of the listeners that have found this podcast will be mainly interested in this subject, as I was when I first discovered Brother Earnshaw's YouTube page and his spiritual Freemasonry books. So for the listeners, Brother Earnshaw, can you describe how you came to realize that there was a spiritual dimension to the craft? Did you have a eureka moment? And how did you find your first signpost? Yes, um, it's interesting. I think the, the, the first signpost I found after I'd been a Mason for about 25 years. Oh, goodness. And um, it just uh, came to me that um, our ancient brother Pythagoras um, didn't uh, exclaim Eureka. Uh, It -hmm. was Archimedes. And so I'm just thinking, why why was that in the text? And so then I started thinking, well, perhaps there are other things to look out for. And after a while, it, it all came come, came together. You know, once I found the one, then I found the second and the third. And um, um, that's how I found the first signpost, I think. Sure, sure. Yeah. And then it snowballed from there. Yes, yes. So um, then I had to think, well thinking that you know in those days uh the brethren had a classical education meaning that they studied both latin and greek they would have known the story of archimedes um so why why is does it say pythagoras in the Mm. text Mm. and therefore i think it was there intentionally and it hasn't been edited since 1717 there's been many opportunities to edit it out but it's still there so and i started looking picking at look looking at small words what they could mean and um uh looking at numbers and patterns and things like that mm-hmm. um, for example the numbers of uh columns and pilasters in king solomon's temple uh the numbers are totally wrong um because uh any classical building has to have an equal number of 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 columns and mm-hmm. pilasters you can't have uh 1453 <laughs> you know? and also when you read read josephus uh it says there are only 160 columns so mm-hmm. what what is the discrepancy and then then it starts all sorts of things start opening up so mm, yes, yes. 1453 is a very particular date as well for, for the historians out there. It could there's be there's lots and lots of things that happened on in that year. Exactly. That's where I started from. And uh, there are other things to look into. Um, why the number of pilasters is exactly double the number of columns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2,906. I mean, I wasn't so... Um, What's it all mean? What's it all mean? So, mm. anyway, well, there's, yeah. there's something I caught in the ritual, um, which, which is kind of relative to this this podcast, and it was to do with the golden fleece. Now, the, the golden fleece is in Colchis, 
And Colchis is the land where um, Prometheus was bound, um, according to Aeschylus. Um, now, the concept of Promethean fire is relative to Pythagorean fire, and anybody that really knows um, to do with the, the, the Greek elements would understand the idea of the relevance of fire. And, um, and that's connotation in, in modern alchemy, and that's re re its repercussions to do with the, the, the thoughts of the early compositors of Freemasonry. But I think that'll be a separate podcast. Uh, it's, it it's, it's, like it's a very, very large topic. So moving on, uh, is there yes. anything in particular that you think the craft teaches spiritually? Is there anything that sticks out? Yes, yes. So uh, that's another thing. Um, when I started looking at the, the period that they were in, and I started studying their history, I found that there was a lot of controversy concerning the concept of immortality. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the third degree, um, I knew that immortality had been stressed. But when I looked uh, closely at it, at the third degree, there were probably seven or eight references to immortality, mm -hmm. uh, either the word direct, uh, directly or living forevermore or other words similar words and so i realized that um they were trying to answer that um <clears throat> uh difficulty that was being faced in society about immortality and um what surprised me was that the i the um the theme or a topic of immortality had even been raised in Parliament. Um, mm, why would a, Parliament important. bother about a, a religious topic? But it shows that how important it was to people at that time. Mm. And so then you can see that the um, uh, the two three degrees have been built on an alchemical structure trying to show um, a new mason that he is immortal. And not only that, how he can experience it. And that's what is interesting to me. So you could say there was a quest for immortality. Exactly. That sounds like a, a famous book. Yes, available <laughs> on Amazon. Enough, unfortunately, but yes. <laughs> available yes, on, on Amazon just in time for Christmas. Exactly. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. So... Um, in your books, uh, you, you have what I consider to be a very strong hypothesis of a Chinese origin of some of the concealed wisdom of the craft, and that there may mm. be one text in particular that was used for this. And could mm. you tell us a little about, about this text and the person that could be the possible source of transmission? Yes. So, um, uh, so um, I believe uh, the text is The Secret Teachings of the Golden Flower, mm. um, or I think it's actually called The Secret of the Golden Flower. Um, and um, it was uh, extant at that time, and uh, perhaps somebody had brought a copy to England not knowing its importance. Um, I have a feeling that uh, Oxford Library, uh, Bodleian Library at Oxford University, had been collecting Chinese documents uh, from the 1600s. And I believe, um, and I have to do some more research on this, but I believe they actually had one of these original documents about the secret teachings or the secret of the golden flower. And, of course, nobody knew, could read Chinese. And it was only 
until about 16, uh, I think it was uh, 1690, 94 or thereabouts, when a Chinese Mandarin called Shen uh, Fujong visited England and he stayed with the uh, chief librarian of the Bodleian Library, a um, person called Thomas Hyde, and uh, he helped uh, translate documents and teach Hyde various things about Chinese culture because nobody knew about China. China was a very mythical country. Um, the Far East, as far as the, the uh, for British people was, was basically the Levant, and they called that. That's why it's called uh, East Asia, but mm. it actually isn't. It's not the Far East. East Asia is Palestine, Turkey, mm -hmm. uh, Israel, that area. So anything further than that was a real mystery to people. And I think uh, Shen probably discovered this uh, Taoist document and explained to Hyde that this was a Chinese way, of a secret way of um, proving that humans are immortal. Mm. Yes, it, it, it's a very, very intriguing text because it's just so complete for anybody that would like to get their hands on it. It can yes. be found on Amazon for a few pounds. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, everywhere. You, can even, yeah, you yeah. can even find a PDF version for free online. It's uh, it's right. uniquely complete. I mean, if you, if you read any sort of uh, Alexandrian or early alchemical text, they're fragmented. But this one mm -hmm. is it's mm -hmm. very, very succinct and complete. Um, and the other th interesting thing that really um, kind of uh, intrigued me is that there are two uh, three-quarter length paintings of Thomas Hyde. Mm. Um, first was when he was appointed chief librarian. I understand that. The second one is at uh, Christ College, Oxford University. And um, it's exactly the same as the first one, but there's a slight detail uh, in his hand, he's holding a scroll. And mm. the first one, um, the angle is slightly different. It's a little bit more kind of in your face in the second picture. Um, the first one has four Chinese characters written on it. And it's, they've uh, talk about, it's, it's teachings of gold from the hometown, meaning China. And uh, so Chinese teachings about gold, it's, it's very, I think it's actually a translation of that um, secret of the golden flower that Hyde was holding. Uh, the second painting has the same, but it has one of the characters is missing. And I think it's a copy. And the, the person copying the painting didn't understand the Chinese, uh, I mean, nobody understood what the words were they were just copying mm. from something else but the other thing's interesting is that um at the time Hyde was a professor of hebrew and uh, he had no very little understanding this is when he became um the uh chief librarian he hadn't met shen at that time so i think somebody has added these chinese words to a document he was holding because he he had found this wonderful document teaching mm. about immortality, and he wanted to be remembered for that. <laughs> Interesting. 
That's very, very interesting. <laughs> well, it's just, th- those those characters that are in the painting. I mean, this this mm. is just how things are occluded to people. You have to really scratch the surface, and it's hidden yeah. in plain sight. You just need to yes, exactly have a good old look. But the yes. the text itself it refers to light very similarly to how we refer to it in the lodge. Um, yes. are, there any, are there any other systems that initiate by light? Are there are there any other systems you're aware of? Um, well, the only system is Taoism. Mm. And uh, it's when I was initiated into Taoism that the whole thing about Freemasonry uh, fell into place because the Taoist uh, initiation is exactly the same as the first degree in Freemasonry. And um, then when I when I, when I realised that, I was so blown away. And I did um, research into religions, and these are the only two religions or semi we're not even religions they're a more a, a phil- philosoph- philosophical way of living and Taoism's mm-hmm. the same it's not really a religion it's a, a way of life and um the the two fitted what so closely together when i started researching i could see Taoism um was uh, or freemasonry was heavily influenced by Taoism. yes yes that's interesting very interesting so um if Freemasonry has a spiritual dimension to it, do, do you have a, a Masonic or a non-Masonic spiritual practice yourself? Do you have anything you do daily or anything along these sort of lines? Um, yes. Um, so uh, breathing is very important to me, uh, <laughs> particularly as I've been asthmatic since I was 40 and uh, I have adult onset asthma. Um, but in the, the last few years, I have been able to control it. So it doesn't interfere with my life, but I have a, a deep breathing exercise. Uh, I have to thank um, the Dutch uh, Wim Hof for mm, yes. his videos on that. But I do that a lot. Um, I don't really meditate, but that is a form of meditation for me. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm basically a spiritual person. You know, I, I do a lot of spiritual work. And, um, but mm, how should I say? Yes, um, I just don't feel that there is a that the world we live in is cut off from the other world of mm. spirits and the dead. I think we're we're so close, um, as I've mentioned in some other podcasts, that in in the we're living in a multi-dimensional universe, mm. and so what we're able to see is a very small band of light from uh, ultraviolet to infrared. But either side of that is a, a much, much uh, wider spectrum of, of mm. visibility that we're not able to see. Mm. But it still exists in the same position where we are. This so is true. We only can see this small band, but there's much more going on. And so... Um, I think if if uh, we accept the fact that um, we are just part of a multi-dimensional universe, w- when you start thinking about this and researching it, you realise that you're able to um, interact with that with that other side if you want, when and when you want to, mm. and that's what I do. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> science science is very well aware of the mass of the universe is. The, the visible spectrum and the mass that's out there, there's only a fraction of it without yes, dropping exactly. off 
without dropping off into pseudoscience and unprovable hypotheses, it's um, it's really obvious that we are only a, a fraction. The visible universe is only a fraction of what's out there. So, and we we exactly. know that we have dimensions rolled up in other ones. So this yes, and as uh, you know, I one of my goals is to be able to. Uh, have an out-of-body experience when and when I want it, mm-hmm. not a spontaneous mm-hmm. one. I've had many spontaneous ones, but I want to have a deliberate uh, experience when and when I want it. And that's what I focus on in at the end of, um, of my book, Freemasonry Royal Arch, mm-hmm. um, because I believe the third degree is actually a way of explaining out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. to people uh, in the in the 18th century um, who wouldn't really understand it. They weren't very spiritually uh, minded. They were, their background is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're trying to explain to people this, this Chinese concept of an out-of-body experience, which is what is explained in The Secret of the Golden Flower. And, um, uh, and I've, I've made it a little bit easier for people to understand in my book on the Royal Arch. Mm. And so this is kind of the ultimate uh, experience for me is to be able to achieve an out-of-body experience when and where I want. That's good. That's good. There are <laughs> leftovers in Western um, thoughts of out-of-body experiences, as in the Poimanders of Hermes and also the um, the Dream of Scipio. But they're only fragmentary, and they they barely survived. They brought back in the Renaissance, but um, like I said earlier, that's a, that's a topic for another day. So, just rounding up, are there yes. any tips you could give to any mason looking for a spiritual aspect of the craft, and um, how to construct a personal practice? Yes, so it's it's um, difficult because many people believe that the way into spiritual practices is through meditation. And I personally don't meditate. Uh, I do a lot of energy work, but that's not meditation. Mm -hmm. So there are many ways to climb the mountain. Um, uh, Yes. (laughs) If you're interested in out-of-body experience, um, I would read um, William Bullman's books uh, or Robert Peterson. Um, But uh, uh, there's just so many... As an introduction for somebody who is not experienced with spiritual work, um, I would recommend The Secret Lives of Plants mm-hmm. by Tompkins, I think it is. Um, that is very interesting. Uh, it's kind of, you know. <laughs> and another one interesting book is um, about um, Edgar Cayce. Um, I think it's, I forget the exact title. Um, but the uh, Ed Casey's work is phenomenal. Uh, for somebody who never left his his living room, he was yeah. able to a- access so much information about people and help people's lives and healing them and explaining uh, the Bible because uh, the Bible is often written in a very difficult way to understand. So these four books would be the, the entry to spiritual practice i would have thought mm-hmm. and um for anybody that is a mason and also interested a lot of these topics are covered in brother angel's book royal arch which is the <laughs> last in the quadrilogy and um, spiritual at- freemasonry <laughs> that's it can be found <laughs> on amazon 
Thank you. And um, looking at the clock. Christmas I... is coming up. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Lake hint, below. Hint. <laughs> yes. Well, I think... by the way, I, I know that um, something like 10% of our audience are ladies. Oh, that's and good. I believe many that's lady good. masons as well. So perhaps they want to buy a present for their, their yeah. other half, the better half. <laughs> yes. And not, a, not only that, the information isn't gendered either. It's, it's true, that's true. Dependent upon gender. So. Exactly. Um, Looking at the clock, I think we'll leave that one there. And um, if you have any questions, please email us on the link below. We're now part on the square and we will meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.